0: Hello and welcome to the Pinnacle Podcast brought to you by Pinnacle.com, the online bookmaker that offers you the best odds, the highest limits and a unique winner's welcome policy. I'm your host Ben Cronin and we are back for a Super Bowl special. Who better to talk us through the big game than the man who's been with us throughout the playoffs, it's Adam Chernoff. Glad to be back for the third week in a row, thanks for having me Ben. I was going to say I think uh, congratulations are in order on your your Pinnacle Podcast hat-trick. Hey, I'll take it. So how's the, how's the week been? Are you, are you busy prepping?
1: Uh, there was a lot of uh, frantic betting last Sunday night, immediately as the New England Patriots were driving down the field against the Chiefs in overtime. Had, had the two computers up frantically refreshing pinnacle i'm still hanging on to the asian view for as long as it sticks around uh so i was waiting for these lines to jump up uh refreshing it and was able to jump on some pretty early numbers right as they were posted um so a lot of the hard work was done last sunday night and then it was actually kind of a relaxing sort of bye week uh, the market hasn't been too busy since that initial wave, so it's just been uh, some prep prep work, looking at some props, and uh, just putting together some content for the Super Bowl.
0: Sounds yeah. good. Um, let's kind of jump straight onto the the Super Bowl. I know it's it's obviously a massive event, but we're not kidding ourselves here and saying we're going to come up with the magic formula. Betting's a long game. Obviously, that's what's, what Pinnacle preaches. That's what you preach. But I'm sure there's kind of some things that, that people need to be aware of or need to consider for this one-off game. So what what actually are they?
1: So I think obviously the biggest thing to remember for anyone betting the Super Bowl is it obviously takes place on a neutral field. So the prices at face value sort of appear um, a little bit different than we're sort of get used to over the course of the season where there's a big home field advantage element priced into the numbers and i think we sort of saw that reaction on this price and we can get into that uh, later as we jump into the market so that's a pretty big deal you also have to consider the extra week of prep time uh it's not really as strong as a true buy because there still is a travel element and then there's also a huge media element to it as well Uh, But you certainly want to look at how coaches do with extra rest, what kind of game plans they put together. And then, of course, there's just the overall uh, spectacle of it. This is a big game for a lot of players. There's an extra financial element. Uh, although i think most players are focused on obviously winning the trophy it's something not a lot of players get to do throughout their career as we'll also talk about during this podcast some of them in this game get to do it a lot more than many but there's uh sort of the spectacle and the stage of it all this is a big moment for a lot of the players whether they've been there before or not Uh, so that certainly gets sort of factored into it but Uh, In terms of just being able to bet it as a better, there's so many different ways you can bet the Super Bowl. Uh, I think a lot of people tend to really go overboard just because it is the Super Bowl, which might not be the the wisest strategy. Uh, But any way that you want to bet this game, you can certainly do it. And one more thing we'll also get into, I'm sort of teasing everything coming up, but uh, this is really the one week where there's just so much volume and handle on this game at every single bookmaker that sort of the recreational players collectively as a volume uh, can affect the market come sunday at kickoff just because there's so much lead up to it uh so that's definitely something to keep in mind where it's not so much just a a certain portion of the market that's betting that's dictating the number this is really sort of the collective volume move in many cases each year
0: yeah as you said that there's kind of so many unique elements to a super bowl that Fortunately for this game, all those elements seem to be feeding into it. Things like experience and tactics and how that will play out and things. But so before we kind of actually get into the actual game itself, let's talk a little bit about each team's kind of season and and where they've come from and where they're at now in terms of their their regular season and the postseason as well.
1: Yeah, so I... I don't think it's too big of a surprise to see either of these two teams here uh, for the majority of the season. I think the Rams were sort of labeled, along with the Saints, as the best team in the NFC. So I'm not sure too many people would be surprised. I believe in our first podcast way back in the wildcard weekend or divisional weekend, uh, the biggest... Uh, In terms of bet tickets at Pinnacle, uh, were the Rams to win the Super Bowl in terms of the futures market. Uh, So the betting market sort of validated in that sense. Uh, In terms of a numbers perspective, though, uh, the Rams really outclass the Patriots at every single sort of meaningful metric. If you look rushing and passing offenses in terms of success rate, efficiency, the Rams are higher than the Patriots. Uh, If you look on defense, uh, Patriots have a little bit of an edge in the secondary, but uh, on the other side of the ball, defending the rush. Uh, certainly uh, edge to the Rams there, although both of the teams have it as their weakness. But then in terms of in the trenches, Rams number one offensive line in the NFL, and then their defensive line uh, ranks inside the top 10. Uh, But you look at the Patriots, you have to go all the way down to 28th for that. So a pretty big gap there. Uh, Rams really sort of outclass them in each category. So I don't, I don't think it's too big of a surprise for anyone, but the Patriots sort of did what we're we've come expected for them to do. They started the season uh, a little bit slower Uh, not as dominant and then they progressed as the season went on they got better and better and then in the playoffs we've seen them sort of put together two back-to-back game plans which uh, just absolutely torched their opponent Uh, so it looks like they're sort of peaking at the right time that's sort of been uh, the focus of New England to get stronger as the season goes on progress into the playoffs and then put together their best efforts when it matters where LA sort of ran all the way to the finish line. We've seen some of their key players fade out a little bit towards the end of the season. Really needed that bye week heading into the divisional round against the Cowboys, uh, and then just snuck through by the skin of their teeth against the Saints. A lot of people would uh, sort of expect to see New Orleans depending on how that one played out, so they definitely let that one get away. But uh, it's interesting to see the Patriots really coming in on uh, a high and then the Rams sort of backing into this game to some sense.
0: So I mean yeah it's obviously it's, it's foolish to kind of not think about what's happened before but everyone's really going to be thinking about the game itself at, at this moment in time aren't they so let's if we kind of look at the odds and how things started off we actually pinnacle opened with the Rams as a one point favourite um, and the, the Patriots have basically been taking the money ever since then they've gone out to, to a two point favourite and now they've, they seem to have settled at around 2.5 so what do you kind of make for the line on this one?
1: So I think the line that the opening number was certainly correct. And I I was saying I was sitting on my two computers. I saw the money line open Patriots plus 109. And by the time I went to click submit on the bet slip, it moved down to plus 107. And by the time I submitted the bet and the page refreshed, it went over to minus 105. And there's probably reasons why I should be betting through an API, but we'll keep that for a separate podcast potentially. Um, But this one moved. Instantly. And then I think it was just the culmination of what happened on Championship Sunday uh, and just the overall take for the Patriots, but also knowing that the sort of the recreational volume uh, that was going to come in on this market was going to drive the New England Patriots up in terms of price and there's that home field element i said doesn't really exist so this is really sort of a true power ratings number and anyone that puts together any sort of meaningful power ratings during the nfl season would be extremely hard pressed to argue that the patriots on a neutral field in terms of talent and skill would be priced higher than the Los Angeles Rams. Really the only position where New England arguably has an edge over the Rams is at quarterback. I've certainly been down on Jared Goff, I believe rightfully so. Tom Brady not having uh, his best season in terms of career numbers, but I think that's the one edge that they have, and a lot of people put some stock into that. Uh, But certainly there's sort of that experience narrative that is driving a lot of this price move. We're now at two and a half, Um, I'm sort of waiting to get the buyback the other way at three. I don't think I'm alone in saying that there's certainly a lot of people looking to potentially set up this middle situation. That's not much of a middle if you're just hoping on one or two, but if you're able to get out to three and have the money line the other way, that opens up that middle, um, I'm waiting on that one. It hasn't got there. I don't believe it's going to get there. That would sort of take on a very different look in terms of market perspective for an NFL game. Once you cross three, you just bring into account the most common winning percentage overall in terms of winning margin at the end of the game. So it's going to take a lot more money than has already come in, which has been substantial to drive this one across three but i think that uh, eventually as we get towards sort of the middle end of this week we're going to see some buyback on the rams and this price is going to trend back to where it opened. so i certainly wasn't surprised by the open i was a little bit surprised how quickly it moved i thought this might be sort of a slower move throughout last week uh, but to see this one completely flip and go straight to two and a half i mean it happened within a matter of 45 50 minutes that you see sort of a three and a half point move that was that was pretty quick for me but i think that the opening price was certainly where it should be and i think there can be a case arguably that it it should have been more than minus one
0: yeah i think uh pinnacle's trading director marco bloom is actually on record at saying he feels like we're at kind of peak patriots so those hoping for the the three-point favoritism might be a little bit disappointed if it doesn't get there. But like you said, we'll, we'll have to see what happens.
1: Tell him to just move it to three for like five or ten minutes. So... <laughs> I'll
0: have a word to see what he says. Um, I mean, the, the Patriots are obviously a, they're a public team and the money's going to be piling into them and that potentially kind of distorts the market. But if you're saying the Rams obviously have, have a decent chance, how do they go about and win the game?
1: So... This from like a, the football fan in me is not really excited to watch this game. Um, I, maybe that's part of me being a Jets fan. Maybe it's just sort of my disdain for the Patriots overall. I would have loved to see like a, a Rams-Chiefs or a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl. So this is sort of like the third option I was hoping to see from a fan perspective. But in terms of sort of the football betting matchup purist, uh, I think that this game is going to take on a very different look than a lot of the narratives are driving. Uh, I, I specifically think that both defenses are really going to play up, especially early on in the game. Um, the Rams have the defensive Sort of make up that if they put forth a well-constructed game plan, they can certainly slow down the New England Patriots' offense and force them to do something very different. And it really starts with their two extremely tough and physical corners, in Aqib Talib and Marcus Peters. Um, these guys can play man-to-man out wide Uh, and then the Rams also have a a front four that doesn't need extra help on the defensive line in order to either stop the run or get pressure so this means that they can drop five guys back in the middle of the field and take away these crossing routes that Edelman and Gronkowski and the small receivers like Hogan really like to run and that sort of becomes Brady's uh, option off of the run. Uh, Another thing I don't think people are really giving enough respect for is the speed that the Rams have when it comes to closing in on tackles, something we've seen uh, the Patriots go to all season, but very much so in the last two playoff games as passes out to the running backs. Uh, And they've gone against the chargers who we talked about, who were in a very uh, dedicated zone defense. And when you're in a zone defense, you can see that running back pass and the chargers failed to adjust. And the Patriots just took whatever they wanted against the chiefs uh, who were a very heavy man cover front. The Patriots, if, if there was an opportunity over the middle, they took that through the pass. If the chiefs went back and played the middle and were and a little bit more of a giving them a little more cushion off the line of scrimmage, then they looked for the running back out of the backfield. So the Patriots just kind of went back and forth, taking what they wanted against the Rams. uh, They can leave those two corners outside to take away sort of that deep pass or anything along, along the boundaries. And then the five guys in the middle clog that up, but where, where the Rams sort of have that third step up to counter what new England does is if new England goes to white out of the backfield with a pass, these guys are really, really fast at closing out that tackle. So that turns sort of the six, seven yard gain into the three or four yard gain. And it really reduces the effectiveness of sort of that safety, valve that new england has out of the backfield and white when there's nothing downfield so that becomes interesting in itself what they can also do with that front forward that i mentioned is even though they're not showing up on the on the stat sheet getting sacks uh they are getting pressure and tom brady this season has been especially poor against pressures completion percentage drops from around the 70 percent mark down to 45% when he's getting pressure. And if you go back and you watch these two playoff games where the Rams have really put forth an effort to stop the rush, Uh, they held held the Saints to 50 yards and they held the Cowboys to about 55. Uh, And both of those were extremely good offensive lines. And so there was sort of this collective effort that they're going to stop the run. Uh, make these two teams beat them through the air where they really trust their corners. But even though they were selling up to stop the run, Donald and Sue were still really good at pushing their man into the backfield and just collapsing that pocket from in front. And Breeze really had some issues with that. But also Brady, if there's one spot he doesn't like getting pressured, it's right in his face. So if they can put together this effort to stop the rush, but do it so in a very aggressive way like they're doing with Donald and Sue right in the middle, that's going to put pressure right in Brady's face. And I think it's enough to make him uncomfortable uh, where if they're going to have to look to have success out wide uh, and not have those easy passes over the middle where they just switch based on what the defense is showing them. Then New England's going to have to get very creative and do something very different on offense. So I certainly think that that's a big advantage that the Rams have in this game
0: being able to kind of do something different or change up obviously we're we're talking about Brady and and Belichick the the duo there's four Super Bowls in five seasons nine together there's massive amounts of experience there contrasting with Goff who kind of has let's be honest struggled in his only postseason appearance last year so how important is the experience going to be there
1: So I I certainly think the experience is like the driving narrative behind the Patriots. If somebody's handicapping the Patriots in this game, they're probably pointing to the experience as sort of the crutch of their handicap. And there's certainly importance to that uh, to an extent. But I really think that if they're going to have success, they're going to have to put together a very up-tempo offensive game plan. Uh, If you're going to stop a pass rush, if you're going to tire out a defense, if you're going to sort of take advantage of corners who are consistently playing man, Uh, you're going to want to play very quickly. You're going to want to play up-tempo. You're going to keep those guys on the field. And if there's somewhere that the Rams sort of have a weakness on defense aside from potentially stopping the rush when they're not selling out to do so, uh, it's certainly the depth. They play with a lot of the same guys on the field, snap after snap. So if New England is, is smart enough, which I certainly think they are, We're probably going to see them at some point during the game switch to a very up-tempo style of offense. Uh, They're going to get to the line of scrimmage very quickly, get the ball uh, in Brady's hand, get it out to one of the running backs quickly to sort of negate that pass rush, tire out the defense You look at what they did against Kansas City. uh, The Chiefs had a very good pass rush going into that game that we just didn't hear about for the game. And when it came down to late in the fourth quarter and then the drive in overtime when these guys had to step up, they were absolutely gassed because New England had run 90 plays up to that point. I think they finished the game with 94 plays, which is ridiculous. So New England was certainly experienced enough to put together the game plan against the Kansas City defense. So I don't have any doubt that they can do so against the LA Rams defense. It's just a matter of uh, how aggressive they're going to be on offense and how aggressive the Rams are going to be in terms of getting pressure on Brady.
0: And some people say kind of the reason... Brady seems to be so successful in the in the postseason that he's he appears to play like a, a safer style of football and does well to protect the ball. And if someone's looking towards the totals market, which I mean it's dropped from opened at fifty seven and a half, it's gone down to fifty six, if they're putting their attention on totals, what kind of thing should they be thinking about there in terms of, in terms of the matchup?
1: So, I think if you're putting your focus on the total on the full game price, it's awfully difficult to really find an edge. The biggest one for me, and it was sort of my main bet of the Super Bowl, I took under 29.5 right as it opened. Uh, Again, I was refreshing those numbers like crazy. So, I took that uh, right away, and then I took under 28.5 as well. And 28.5 is still pretty reasonably priced. But I think that that's where sort of the advantage lies, either in the first half or the first quarter going under. As you mentioned, uh, Brady has been slightly more conservative in the playoffs, and that's actually very well documented uh, since he took over as the Patriots quarterback uh, almost two decades ago and paired up with Belichick. Uh, they've only scored three points total in all of their Super Bowl appearances in the first quarter. So they're notorious for starting out really slowly uh, and just really conservatively as, as well. And that's a big difference from what they do during the regular season. This year, they were the second uh, highest scoring first quarter team in the NFL. And it wasn't very different from what they did in past seasons. They made the Super Bowl where they were consistently in the top five. So this Super Bowl for them takes on a very different look. And I think that that sort of accelerated even more this game uh, in the Super Bowl this week because there's so much uncertainty about what the Rams are going to come out and do Uh, with the extra week to prepare. These are two brilliant coaches and they know if they put forth the same sort of effort and the same sort of game plan, uh, they're going to get beat up and eaten alive. So I think that there's sort of a hesitation factor Uh, from Belichick, where he waits to see what the other team is countering with and how far it differs from what they typically do so he can sort of get a read and be comfortable for the rest of the game. So I think if we're going to see sort of a tighter first half, we might see things really open up in the second half, uh, much like we did against the Chiefs. But the Patriots entered that game last week with a game plan where they sort of dominated the first half, controlled the possession, and then the second half, it really opened up. Uh, In this game as well, I would expect uh, a very similar thing to happen.
0: And that the, the numbers we're looking at and kind of trying to analyze the game into more detail, we can begin to get a, if you want to call it, like a more professional approach to it. And as you said, there's, there's plenty of recreational money that could potentially kind of confuse things when it comes to the market. So I'd be interested to, to get your insights on the, what the bet share stands at, at the moment, if that's all right with you.
1: Do you want me to guess or do you want me to sort of let you, let you lay it out there?
0: Um, we can play a little bit of a game, actually. Let's So let's go with the money line. Where do you think the the split is on that?
1: So the money line is going to have more... And we're talking tickets recounted money. That's a big difference here
0: for my guess. Yeah, this is bet count, so ticket numbers.
1: So, okay, I'm going to have to adjust my thinking. So for the money line in terms of bet count, I'm going to say there's more tickets on the Rams than there are in the Patriots. And I'm going to say it's probably... 65 Rams in terms of percent, 35 Patriots.
0: It's the other way. 60 on the Patriots, 40% on the Rams. Really? Yeah.
1: So that to me is surprising because typically in a spot like this where you get a price less than three – Uh, the sort of the mindset is if you're going to back the favorite, you just lay the points. And then if you're going to take the underdog, well, it's only two and a half. So you're only dealing with one or two, which account for about 4% historically of NFL outcomes, that you're going to sort of just take the money line because the chances of a team uh, covering but not winning as a two and a half point underdog, you're only looking at about four games out of every 100. So that's certainly interesting that it's the other way. Now, I'm guessing that the point spread is probably 85-15 in favor of the Patriots.
0: Pretty close. 83 for the Patriots, 17 for the Rams. I'm
1: up by about 2%. So I, the money line to me in that is quite surprising because I was sort of, I, I was certainly anticipating we'd see more um, on the Rams and it was sort of be flip-flopped. And I, I think that uh, a lot of people don't tend to realize how that sort of happens, and you'll see sort of the money line skewed shorter, and then you'll see the point spread sort of priced up higher just because of that mindset. But 60-40 pats on the money line uh, certainly is certainly is surprising for me. So there's certainly sort of probably an expectation that Ram's money is coming in later in the week from the trading team.
0: Yeah, and again, I mean, you can say as well about that, the amount of recreational bets we're dealing with there and it kind of not everyone's going to take that view of using perhaps the spread and the money line together to almost find that middle which is perhaps why we see everyone just loading up on the patriots
1: yeah it's that's a that's a very interesting split very telling for sure
0: So on the other side of the market, we've kind of talked about the Rams and their potential there. If we kind of now focus on the Patriots, what what are you thinking for them?
1: So much like the Rams, I think that the defense of the Patriots is really going to stand out in this game. And I think the Patriots have the benefit of not needing to put together an extremely different game plan from what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs defensively. The Rams, uh, the only difference between them is they have the two running backs out of the backfield where Kansas City really relies on a tight end. Uh, The Rams' utilization of the tight end position is among the lowest in the NFL. Uh, So it sort of actually gives the Patriots a bit of relief in that sense. But the Rams, they do rely on a very timing-heavy offense in terms of the passing game and they have small receivers out side who rely on speed uh, to get open in the middle of the field so much like the Rams matching up against the Patriots want to take away the middle of the field the Patriots want to do the same thing where the Rams have a key talib and Marcus Peters uh, the Patriots have a, a very good cornerback duo as well they can do the same thing where they get up on the line of scrimmage get physical with the receivers uh, and take away sort of that timing that the offense is dependent on for the passing and, and LA uses a very high percentage of play action passing the highest in the NFL so if if these JC Jackson and Stefan Gilmore are able to bump uh, Cooks at the line of scrimmage able to throw off the timing that really puts Goff holding the ball in his hand for sort of that split second longer where he becomes susceptible to pressure as well much like Brady Goff tends to drop down significantly again from about 68 percent completion percentage all the way to the mid 40s so when he's under pressure it's an again a significant drop off the issue for the Patriots defensively the one weakness that they have is at the line of scrimmage they don't get uh, a lot of Uh, hits in the backfield on running backs they don't stuff a lot of runs their defensive line is very small up front so I think that rather than sort of getting abused by these running backs either Gurley or Anderson behind the great Rams offensive line they're going to get very creative on defense and put forth a lot of different looks Um, I'm not too sure what sort of they're going to come up with, but I think that it's going to be a lot of switching late in the play clock. Jared Goff is very reliant on the calls coming in from Sean McVay and the headset and his helmet, but that cuts off at 15 seconds in the play clock. Uh, so the Rams last week and, and the saints environment really sort of accelerated that, but they were really having trouble, getting up to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball quickly. And it's not just from the audibles, but the offense was just moving really slow from huddle to the line of scrimmage. And this week, it's not nearly going to be as loud as the Superdome was. uh, But I have a feeling that that sort of plays over and there's something more to that and it's just a communication thing throughout the team and how reliant golf is uh-huh. in these pressure situations on what's coming in from McMahon on the sidelines so i think we're going to see a lot of late switching a lot of late audibling on defense from new england in order to sort of make up for their weakness which is right on the defensive line against this offensive line um Another thing I think sort of getting overlooked and it's really dominated by the McVeigh as an offensive genius is how conservative his play calling has been uh, in these last two playoff games. It's his first run deep in the playoffs and we've really seen him tighten up and a lot of people will sort of highlight the key plays the fourth downs. He didn't go for it uh, some calls on third downs, but I I really equate conservative play calling to the familiarity and lack of taking risks and if you watch what he's done uh, not only just in these two playoff games but late in the season as well where there were some important games the scheming and offensive plays that he's putting together are extremely repetitive He's relying on a lot of the same plays, a lot of the same styles over and over and over again. And Belichick is as good of a coach at breaking down what an offensive offensive coach is doing on the opposing sidelines and coming up with a way to take away the strength and find a way to make them do what they're second or third best at. And I think that McVay, to a sense, is becoming very predictable in what he's putting forth on the field. Fortunately, against Dallas and against the Saints, he didn't run into opposing coaches that could break down what he does on offense. Because they just put together very poor game plans. And arguably against the Saints, in New Orleans, if they were able to capitalize on offense, could have put that game away a lot early. And McVay would have paid for it. So... I think that that's going to be something that plays in a lot here. We've also seen L.A., much like the Patriots, as I mentioned, they get really tight in the first quarter. L.A. has been very tight in the first quarter of both of these playoff games coming up. And that sort of all bodes into this package that I like in terms of the first half under where it's going to be a slower start to the game. Um, So I think that there's a lot sort of put on. Sort of the shoulders of McVay being this great offensive coach that might not necessarily come through, especially in the first half. And then, of course, you have Jared Goff in his first Super Bowl game in that first quarter against the Saints. He looked absolutely lost. Uh, I've been down on him when he's away from home. I said he's going to be the guy that doesn't come through when it's needed. And even though it might look like he led the team into that overtime drive, if you look at his numbers, those home and then away splits where he's not playing in California. In his familiar surroundings, now you get him in in Atlanta in the Dome. It's not nearly as much of a home road game as it is with this being on the dome and the fast surface. But when the pressure is on him, when he has to deal with pressure, different defensive looks, I think Belichick has all it is to slow him down yet again. His numbers against the saints were below his averages uh, away from home, which are very poor below average as it is. So I certainly think that plays into it as well. Uh, But we're going to see these big physical corners of New England force the Rams to do something else. I think the Rams out is rushing the football. Uh, which is going to slow things down a little bit as well. But that big, deep, dynamic passing in with these explosive plays, I just don't see it being there against these corners for New England.
0: I mean, just, just listening to that analysis kind of shows the, the beauty of the Super Bowl and the, the case that it is like the best against the best. And it really, this one could go either way, which I guess is kind of shown by the the moving of the line and the narrow handicap and stuff like that. So it's it certainly looks like it's going to be a great spectacle.
1: It's going to be a fantastic game from a matchup perspective. And I'm really curious to see sort of which coach is willing to take that risk and put forth something different. Because if, if both teams come out and do something that's familiar, either side is smart enough to be able to take advantage of that. And I think it's the first time we've really seen a coaching matchup like this in a Super Bowl where whoever takes the most risks in being different is going to have the most success Uh, and these two defenses are certainly lined up to force the offenses to do that
0: another thing that kind of makes the the super bowl unique is that that shift away from traditional markets and all the the prop bets that are on offer i mean pinnacle's got hundreds of of props listed on the website i'm just keen to know if there's any that have stood out to you sure
1: so i i think that a it's important when you hand uh, and I'll sort of take a step back here. So what you don't want to do, I think is an easier way to describe it with props is get too much outside of your handicap of the game itself. So I think, all of us can really make sort of our own handicap on this game and come up with our conclusion to how the game is going to play out. Where, in my experience, of foreign, I, I made prices for four Super Bowls. I set the props. I did all the grading. I dealt with that. Where I saw people really get burned was they would place a large bet on the game And then they would go and they would play a lot of props that sort of back themselves into a corner just because when you're looking at a prop by itself, the way that it's worded and the way that it's presented really forces you to think about that bet away from the rest of the game. So if you have a handicap on the game, you want to keep your props in line with that so everything is sort of correlated to a sense in terms of a specific outcome. What you don't want to do is start going out and betting on a lot of props that seem appealing or maybe you see sort of uh some value and some that go directly against your handicap and end up in a spot where some of the most common outcomes of these games uh end up costing you money because you have the props going against yourself so it's important when you're going into bet props to not only look for the best price and find some value but have that dictated by a specific outcome or range of outcomes that all work together so if you're cashing one or two of them and you bet five you have a better chance of cashing the other three just because of how the game is going so if you're going to structure a lot of overs you don't want to be having unders on the game and sort of force yourself into a corner for example so everything sort of has to go the same way Um, with that said i see this as uh, two defenses that are more willing to play sort of a containment style of defense uh, get physical up front uh, get not let anything behind them the Rams play a lot of sort of this three-deep zone, uh, which prevents the big play. They've been very good at not allowing these deep passes uh, throughout the playoffs. The, aside from the Ted Ging catch, there was only uh, one more play that went for more than 25 yards as a pass. And both of them were given up by the free-safety joiner. So there wasn't even uh, anything deep converted on either of these corners. Same thing goes for New England. Uh, nothing really deep over their heads that's been allowed. Uh, aside from one or two passes. So I think that there's value in uh, the longest touchdown scored. Sort of the most common numbers, 49 and, a half, 50 and a half. Uh, Really the only way I see this bet not coming through uh, is potentially if there's like a long kickoff return or a long interception return uh, for a touchdown. At which case, if you look at that, that's sort of the worry. There's certainly props on that happening as well. So you can sort of use that to your advantage and and sort of protect that downside there. Um, But I would look for a lot of sort of first half early scoring props and maybe look to the under in that regard. Um, as well as even full game to some extent, just because of how these defenses match up, I don't think either side is going to have sort of that one go-to option. And if it is that sort of one guy that emerges, it's certainly not going to be like a Cooks for LA or an an Edelman or a Gronkowski that breaks out and smashes their their total. I'm not saying that they won't, uh, but I'm saying that the best value in terms of looking for an over anywhere in the player props market is looking at sort of the third or fourth options where a lot of the yardage are sort of priced on the number one or two guys. And I think that in this game specifically on how this defense is match up, uh, there's going to be value looking deeper in the roster on sort of the the shorter numbers potentially going over. Whereas the key guys, I would sort of look towards more of an under approach and then anything sort of second half late scoring fourth quarter related. uh, That's where I would probably look to potentially take some extreme overs. Um, We've seen both the games in the last two weeks explode i think this game just the game state that i anticipate happening sort of caters to an early sort of under and then an explosion of points if it's coming that's probably going to happen late in the game so you can find some specific sort of game props where that are sort of catered towards uh later scoring fourth quarter overs um sort of some extreme point totals in that regard so that's sort of the the scope that i would look to in order to sort of shape my
0: prop bets Great stuff. I mean, for us, Pinnacle, we've kind of seen, you mentioned like the big names there, the The player props does tend to kind of attract the most bets. And it's it's interesting to see that Todd Gurley's actually been bet down on kind of all of his props on offer. Um, so his rushing yards and attempts. And also you mentioned Julian Edelman and people are actually expecting him to have a big game. So they're kind of going in on the, the over on his um, receiving yards and receptions.
1: Yeah, the the Gurley situation is interesting. in, In all of his interviews, he doesn't say he's injured. He doesn't say there's anything going on. And it's weird to see arguably one of the best, if not the best, Uh, offensive player out of the backfield in the NFL, standing on the sidelines with his helmet in his hand. Now, like, he looks like he's ready to go in. Maybe not physically, but sort of mentally, he looks like he's more than capable. And McVay isn't sort of specifying the injuries in all of the McVay interviews. He said he's just going with what feels right. Uh, And I'm not sure that CJ Anderson over Todd Gurley can ever feel right. So there's certainly something going on that we don't know about. And I don't think anyone's going to know about it until after this game is over. So I'm not surprised to see sort of his numbers go down. I think there's a point where uh, it, it goes down low enough that it's worth potentially looking to the over. I mean, it's certainly come down quite a bit in terms of Edelman. I mean, the Rams defend the slot very well. So if he lines up inside, uh, they certainly have the matchup for that. And then if he goes outside, like I was saying, they have these two physical corners that can sort of jam him at the line of scrimmage, but he's certainly been uh, playing just sort of with that attitude that we see from the Patriots late in the season where it's just so hard to bet against. Um, he certainly has the potential to break out, but I really think that the Patriots are going to find success uh, elsewhere on the
0: field. I feel like we could kind of sit here and talk about the, the Super Bowl all day long, but I mean, unfortunately, I think we kind of run out of time for today. Um, So now it's just a case of kind of sitting around and waiting for that big game. I just want to say thanks again for joining us throughout the postseason. I'm sure all of our listeners have have found your insight incredibly useful and uh, we'll see how everything plays out on Sunday.
1: I was glad to join you for these last three weeks and it's sad to see football go, but uh, we've got a couple of months to rest up and then look forward to the season coming up. So hopefully everyone enjoyed these last couple of weeks, made some money and I look forward to a very fun game on Sunday.
0: Well, thanks again, Adam. And, and thanks to everyone who's taken the time to listen. And I hope everyone enjoys the Super Bowl and, and best of luck with your bets.